Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast ranking every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? Pretty good. I got an early Christmas present, which just translates to the Amazon truck came with my Christmas present and I opened it instead of waiting a couple more days. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, but that's I got Tacky by Rax King. Have you heard of this book? No. What? Oh, 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 wait, Rax King. Uh, sh- they write about like tacky pop culture stuff, I think. Yeah. So this is a collection of those writings and there's a love letter to Hot Topic in this book. Oh, fuck yeah. And um, as a person who worked at a Hot Topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thank you for your for... service. <laughs> truly, truly. I have... I should start wearing my employee of the month pins. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, I served my country. You know what? We should have like a, a thin uh, a thin blue line sticker, but instead it's just like the middle portion of it is just happy bunny. And it's just like, listen, I I worked at it hot. I did my time, goddammit. But yeah, it's an excellent book. Everyone needs to go check it out. It's Tacky by Rax King. What have you been up to? Uh, I have been... So in this last week, um, we are about to get two cats. Now, the thing is, um, obviously, uh, you know, Tank died um, about, you know, at, at the beginning of November. And we've been, you know, sort of very sad not having a little furry creature around the house. Um, we had our buddy Shang over. Um, and they have a tiny dog named Bug, and Bug is the best of all dogs. Like, just imagine a little gremlin. Um, it, it was, you know, and so we, we'd been batting around like, oh man, we really want to get cats. And then it was funny because Sarah had a rule uh, initially, which was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to get a, ca- a cat, but I've got, you know, it, it has to be an adult cat, and it has to be after the new year. And, you know, like had all these things. And then the problem was, you know, they looked online and found this bonded pair that was like a tortie and an orange cat who were litter mates and their best friends. Um, so instantly all of us were just like, oh, fuck, we're getting two cats <laughs> and they're kittens. Uh, so I've been doing that. But I, I, I also, um, Quincy, have, are you familiar with the Mad Max video game for PS4? No, I was unaware of this. It is now. I was also un- un- unaware of it. Um, it is like really immersive, and you can tell that a lot of fucking work went into it. It's super old in video game years. It was in, made in like 2015 or something. Um, but I'm realizing how much I fucking love Mad Max as a as a franchise. Yeah. Um, are you aware of Knight Rider 2010? No. What is this? So a friend of the show, Kyle, introduced this to me. Um, and by the way, Kyle has a new podcast called Video Steve, if you want to search that Fuck yes. in, uh, in your podcast app. I might be breaking this uh, news. There might, it might be coming. Uh, but anyway, uh, Knight Rider 2010 is a post-apocalyptic version of Knight Rider. So, so Mad Max, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. yeah, Mad Max, but the car talks. Yeah, so it's like if the black on black could talk. Honestly, like Knight Rider, I feel like... No one has ever actually watched the original show. I think it like it happened pop culture wise, and everybody went, oh, "Okay, so it's David Hasselhoff and a car that talks." And then I, I I've never met anybody who's like, "There's got to be a Knight Rider super fan out there somewhere, probably somewhere." I I do not know who they are. Similarly, I went to the comic book store um, today and picked up a clearance copy of Scooby Apocalypse, which is the <laughs> Scooby Zombie comic book. Which Holy I shit. also have never talked to another human being, except for the clerk selling it to me, who'd <laughs> ever read it. 
that, that <laughs> and is, I'm looking forward to it. That is fucking fantastic. I yeah. Um, so let's let's get into the uh, the movies we're doing for this week. So uh, we. Um, on Twitter, um, our uh, buddy of the show, uh, Mira Mira Endeval, and uh, their partner uh, Mara Bobera, um, who uh, that, that's the that, that's um, their handle, not their actual name. Um, but you know, they they reached out to, uh, out to us and were like, "Hey, for Christmas, um, can I ask for you know a gift? Which is, can you talk about two very specific movies?" Um, and then you know, I looked up the movies and was like. A thousand times, yes. Of course, we will do this. Like this is, this is the spirit of Christmas. Quincy, had you uh, uh, heard? Let's start with the first movie we're doing, um, which is 2017's Velo- *The Velocipaster*. Um, Quincy, had you seen anything about *The Velocipaster*? Now, I actually read all the press for this because this is from Wild Eye Releasing, which we have a very. Um, what's the nice way to put it? Our relationship with this production company is very complicated <laughs> i don't think we've ever ranked a movie that they put out well in yeah. the history of our show yeah we have a contentious relationship with this production company <laughs> but i i think that this production company is you know meant to make movies that are going to have that effect like there's they're not doing like portrait of a lady on fire and being like what the fuck you gave it a bad score like they're they're out here to make movies like the velocipaster um yeah so so I heard it. I saw the teaser trailer. I said, we're going to pass on this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing about it is, um, the Velocipaster, for me, uh, the, Quincy, I think on the show before, we've talked about how much I fucking hate Kung Fury. Yeah. Um, and this, this to me, is uh, sort of uh, like doing the Mario jumping off of Yoshi who falls to his death to get to a, a higher platform uh, with... Uh, that movie, now, the Velocipaster, um, started out apparently as a fake trailer, where it was like, "What if, the, what if the Velocipaster?" Um, and it's, I think that if I had to compare this movie to, it's, it's like a trauma movie that somehow is not actually from trauma. I thought the same thing. It's got a very indie, tongue-in-cheek, um, crass vibe to it. Yeah, yeah, it's. Like, there's a character in here uh, who we'll, we'll we'll get into that. Um, the movie uh, it starts out with a priest uh, who is uh, Doug Jones. Which, by the way, I gotta say here, you can't name a character Doug Jones. That's absolutely just... not. I would, especially if it is a horror movie. I was so angry when I read <laughs> IMDb and figured out that I had imposed the actor's name with the character's name. Oh, so wait a minute. So you. Went into this expecting to see beloved character actor uh, Doug Jones popping up on your screen as the Velocipaster. Exactly. And then I went, damn it. <laughs> Man, that's that's a that's a crying shame. I'm thinking of this you one. You know how Taz in um, on commentary just says damn it all the time? <laughs> like that that was the sound that came out of my mouth. This I, it's either that or um when uh during the Attitude Era when Vince McMahon um they'd been teasing for weeks and weeks that, you know, the Undertaker answers to a higher power and, you know, it's there was everybody was speculating about who it was, and then, you know, the hooded figure appears and pulls off the hood and it's Vince McMahon. And of course they're like, it was me, you know. And I think one of the one of my favorite deliveries on commentary ever was the moment Vince McMahon's sweaty face popped out of that robe. Uh, Jim Ross in his huge cowboy hat just says in the most disappointed voice, "Ah, son of a bitch!" <laughs> like, it's just <laughs> like not even angry or shocked. He's ah, for fuck's sake. 
Um, and that yeah. was you with Doug Jones not showing up in the Velocipaster. Yeah, it's just cruel to to make a horror movie <laughs> and name a character Doug Jones. There's no real inter- internal logic to being Doug Jones either. Mm-mm. There's no reason to name this character Doug Jones. It's like, yeah, this is my character, uh, Mickey Rooney. No relation. Uh, and it's like, wait, of all the names you had to pick? Anyway, anyway, uh, unforgivable. Um, so the movie uh, starts out with uh, a Catholic priest named Doug, who um, he watches his parents explode. Um, yes. Now, this was a joke that I genuinely laughed at. Oh, th- listen to me. Th- this movie got some genuine laughs out of me, which is uh, upsetting. Um, how do they how do they show the uh, the car exploding? They show the empty screen with with the Chiron on the screen that says uh, special effects of a car exploding. Yeah, yeah, and then it just keeps cutting between like VFX car on fire uh, back to Doug just screaming at the top of his lungs. Um, he has a friend who is an older priest. He's like a mentor. Uh, and Father Stewart, uh, and he, first of all, looks like Mark Twain, uh, and second of all, there's a line in here which I love, which is, you know, Doug is mourning his parents who have just exploded, uh, for no reason, and he says to him, uh, it's what parents do, they die on you, (laughs) which is, (laughs) that goes hard, uh, Father Stewart, Jesus. Um, now, do you think this is an intentional, um, riff on the exorcist with your young priest and your old priest Ooh, maybe that's see i feel like there's a reason it's a classic quincy did you ever watch that uh short-lived uh, the exorcist series on fox with gina davis no i avoided that one <laughs> i un- i understand but i gotta tell you it fucking whips like you've got alan ruck in the mix you've got gina davis like you know who is not great in it, but also I'm excited because Gina Davis is on my TV. Anyway, uh, should have been should have had a bunch more seasons. Um, but so he decides to uh, what find himself by going to apparently feudal China. Yeah, an inexplicable feudal China with ninjas, <laughs> which aren't from China. But yeah, yeah, had the same thought where I was like, I don't feel great about there being ninjas in China. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but they actually cast an actor that could speak Chinese, though. Yeah, I am actually really grateful that they, and maybe it's just that I've seen so many goddamn trauma movies, but I appreciate that on a racial vector, this movie was not irredeemable in the ways that it absolutely could have been. It's a lot like the WWE promo where John Cena actually spoke Mandarin and said, give me the belt, uh, versus <laughs> when The Rock did it, and he just made a very... Uh, offensive <laughs> racial stereotype. It was good that they had an actor speak what I'm assuming is Mandarin and just s- subtitled <laughs> the lines instead of just having, uh, again, hyper offensive uh, noises being made. Yeah, The Rock uh, on one of those like WWF the albums, like there's a song he did called Pie, and there's a part of it that's like genuinely. Uh, one of the most, like, offensive impersonations of an Asian person I've ever heard in my life from The Rock. Uh, th- he, I, he, I'm terrified that that guy's gonna become president someday. Like, I live in yeah. fucking fear. <laughs> yeah. And the problem is, everyone I've talked to about that is like, oh yeah, it'll be great! It's like, no. No, it won't. That's, let's, let's look at, uh, let's look at WWF the album. 
Uh, it's right here. Yeah. 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 And and also he's super bootstrappy in his politics. Like, first of all, he vo- votes fucking Republican. And second of all, he's very like, well, I got to, uh, you know, Miami with $7 in my pocket and I, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, he would, oof, oh God, I live in fear. Um, there's a, so he goes to feudal China basically. And then there's a woman with, is it a velociraptor claw? A woman with a velociraptor claw bumps into Doug Jones and <laughs> says Jones. says in Chinese, burn it, get rid of it, destroy this thing. And Doug goes, you want me to take it? <laughs> okay. It's like if, uh, you know, the, the king in Lord of the Rings at the start of it, when Elrond is like, throw it into the fire, was just like, you want me to, you want me to keep it? Okay. Instead of just going, no. Um and he gets scratched by the the claw and then gets chased by a ninja and a bunch of silly bullshit happens. He ends he ends up back in the United States. Um, Quincy, another line in this that actually did make me lol IRL was there's a guy standing outside who's like begging for change and he's uh, like chasing uh, the Velocipaster going like, please, it's for an old man, like Droopy the dog. And the priest yells, I took a vow of poverty. I have no material possessions. (laughs) (laughs) Like that, that genuine lull. Um, Quincy, tell me about Frankie Mermaid. Frankie Mermaid is your, uh, uh, it's your trauma-esque white pimp character. Yeah, which just, yeah appears in this type of movie far more than you would think. <laughs> yeah, even De- Death Drop Gorgeous had the the club owner who was basically Frankie Mermaid, but gay with a, a boyfriend in a pup costume. Yeah, but this is a very popular trope in independent horror, where you have just a guy put on a thick New York accent and say stuff like. I'm named Frankie Mermaid because I'm always swimming in women. Yeah, yeah. He's, it's, why is, like, what is the compulsion to have this character? Is it like a sort of bona fides thing where it's like, yeah, this movie could have been playing on 42nd Street back in the day sort of a thing? Or like, is it for, okay, is it for the director or is it for us? Like, who's the, who's I the beneficiary? Think it's for the director. I think it is, is uh, in the writer's room Someone going, well, I can do this, this silly voice, and then going, run with it. It's very much in <laughs> yeah. the um, theater kid kind of vein, how, like, it, at theater practice in high school, you know, everyone would throw on silly accents and say really dumb stuff mm-hmm. and just, like, go on for hours. And it's, it's very, like... <laughs> theater kid thing to do yeah yeah that's i i totally agree like it's and i almost got the impression that with these movies uh because other movies have done it everybody goes like oh well you gotta have a scum hill fucking sleazoid character with a bad comb over and like a 70s handlebar mustache like it's because it has been done that it keeps happening and anyway frankie mermaid I'm I'm not gonna lie, I kinda didn't hate the inclusion of Frankie Mermaid in this in this motion picture. <laughs> like he's he's kinda there's there's a scene in here where he is going to confession and uh Doug Jones, the Velocipastor, is, you know, taking the confession, and this guy is just like bragging about all of the terrible things he does in a way that's just like Wait, you said you kill people? Yeah, I kill people and then I kill more people or, you know, I tell other people to kill people. Like it's just him sort of Rattling, I don't know. Like this is this is this guy's tight five. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a lot. So it comes to be revealed that Frankie Mermaid murdered 
Doug Jones's parents in that that first scene of the movie. So Jones loses his cool and he turns into a velociraptor and and vivisects Frankie. Yeah, yeah. The, he, which is all, kind of great, uh, that scene, but I do love the, the energy of Frankie Mermaid just rolling up on the confession booth and just confessing to so much murder. Like, there's there's priest confidentiality, but I feel like at a certain point you're like, no, I'm calling the cops, Frankie Mermaid. Fuck you. Like, this is not, yeah. this. You, you blew my parents up. We're not, I'm not doing so, this. So it's revealed that Frankie Mermaid's uh, prostitute was one looking for an out and two like witnesses this and says like don't you see you can be a vigilante and like fight crime yeah yeah uh, her name her name is doug carol jones who is not the real doug jones <laughs> and we resent him for it um yeah her her name is carol and like, she's a sex worker who has like uh frankie mermaid is of course like a terrible cartoon pimp so he's like horribly abusive to her um, and Carol as a character, I, you know what? Like, I kind of got a, like, Toxic Avenger and his girlfriend vibe from this pairing. Yeah, it's not great writing. There's not a lot of dimension here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, this movie, uh, so they, uh... So Doug Jones disembowels a guy, and then um, he blacks out and wakes up uh, in, I think, Carol's apartment. And there's a, there's a conversation where he, you know, he doesn't remember what happened, and they're talking like, wow, last night, huh? That was something. And he thinks that she's talking about screwing, and she thinks that she's talking about that time that he turned into a velociraptor and ate a guy. <laughs> um, it doesn't totally work as a, like, whoa, I was talking about something different thing, like the My Cousin Vinny thing, but... You know, it's cute. I'll allow it. Let's talk about the cinematography in this film. Oh my god, the cinematography. Uh, So much of this movie is, like, sort of intentionally bad cinematography because it's a B-movie. Did you think that's what it was? Because I thought it was actually trying to just do some... I don't know. Well, you get, like, shaky cam. Where, you know, it's like somebody is running and then you need to have somebody running after them after them with a camera. And it's just like going all over the place. Apparently, Quincy, they um, baked the film itself to try to age it to make it look older. Oh, yeah. Which is a thing I actually appreciate because I do genuinely feel that this movie just on 2017, like digital would have looked like hell. Yeah. They also do the thing where... Um, in the middle of the screen, Doug and his mentor are talking, and then on the sides of the screen, there's close-ups of them speaking towards the camera. Yeah, you've got that. You've got a lot of people, yeah, like, spiking the camera in the middle of the thing. You've got a lot of uncomfortable extended laughing montages (laughs) where it's it's just people laughing for way too long. Some very music video-esque, like, split the screen into like five different images and let them move independently from one another. Yeah, which actually, you know what? I, I was kind of dope when there's the, you know, the uh, Doug and Carol finally have sex and then they sort of um, do this thing where it's like uh, a bunch of little uh, screens on the screen and they're all kind of going from right to left and I didn't hate it, actually. I thought it was kind of neat. Yeah, it also works that they chose, um, because this is an indie movie, there's the requisite indie punk soundtrack, which is just 
a bunch of bands that were like, yeah, you can use our song for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did use Math the Band. They used Math the Band. I gotta tell you, the pop punk soundtrack on this fucking rules. Like, the the, the soundtrack is very, very good for this movie. Um, which I think also makes sense because, like, there's always been a huge relationship between, like, indie DIY filmmaking and punk rock. Like, oh, yeah, it goes hand in hand in a very organic sort of way. I would say the soundtrack is the most organic part of the film. Oh, for sure. Um, now, like, the, it, it does have a lot of fun energy where it's, like, ninjas coming out of nowhere. That's fun. Um, oh, also, uh, so at one point, um, his mentor, uh, Father Stewart, is like, you know, you're a velociraptor man, and we need to do a uh, an exorcism. Which, by the way, I don't know why that was the thing that stretched my, my uh, suspension of disbelief, but I was like, come on, the Catholic Church does not just grant exorcisms willy-nilly, friends. <laughs> like, you can't just decide, like, whoa, we gotta do an exorcism. Like, it's it's a lot more complicated than that. Although, actually... Especially based off the second movie we did for this week, it's very hard to... <laughs> The the paperwork for an exorcism is insane. <laughs> yeah, you gotta like uh, you, you've got to send in your application and wait like two weeks. You've got to it's 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 a lot. Um, but they they do a uh, a seance apparently. I think I don't think this movie knows that a seance and an exorcism are are, are different are different things. Um, but the actor that they get uh, to play the guy doing the seance is fucking Aurelio Voltaire who, if you've ever been to a goth club or managed a Hot Topic, like, you know who Voltaire is. <laughs> like, he, uh, you know, he's a lot of fun in this, actually. Yeah, and he looks like himself. He just, <laughs> they should have just credited him as Voltaire as himself. Yeah, yeah, I actually, th- th- this is how it happened, was like, there's the reveal, he comes out from behind a curtain, and alone, uh, I blurted, is that fucking Voltaire? Uh, and 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 it was, um, so he's doing seances and stuff. It's fun. Um, we eventually find out that the ninjas um, are working for a guy who is a Christian drug lord. Um, his plan, yeah, his plan. Insofar as it's a plan, is that he's going to flood the streets with cocaine, so that people will get addicted to cocaine and then need bailing out and spiritual healing, which means that they'll go to church and then he'll have an unstoppable coked up Christian army. Okay. You know. <laughs> like, all right. In the, the velocity. Yet again, you can see uh, the director really working out some feelings about religion in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Quincy, does this movie have a theological point of view? Do you think? Um, not one that's very cogent. It's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty all over the place. I think it's just, it really is hinged on velociraptor and pastor kind of sound similar. <laughs> yes, in much the same way that Tammy and the T-Rex happened because the director had access to a giant animatronic T-Rex for a weekend. This movie happened because raptor and pastor kind of sound alike. Um, there's another bit that uh, kept making me laugh and I'm furious about it, which is, um, he keeps kind of flashing back to his parents, uh, and all they do is sit around at a table laughing constantly. This, I'm, this movie has a weird charm that I can't totally explain. Yeah, it does. Especially when up until the last sequence, you don't see the raptor. It's just implied with quick cuts. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they definitely just get one of those inflatable dinosaur costumes. Oh, yeah. go 
full on with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, in, in, in some of the scenes where, you know, he's, like, ripping people apart, it's, like, a very obviously bad, like, velociraptor puppet, like, chew- chewing on people. Um, but yeah, like, it's, I had fun watching a guy in a little, uh, velociraptor costume running around getting in fights with people. Um, Carol has, uh, the, uh, she gets, like, stabbed by a ninja, and, uh, listen, listen to me, a bunch of silly bullshit happens, but, uh, when, uh, Doug Jones, uh, who is not character actor Doug Jones, rips off the head of, um, the Noriega, but for, uh, Christians. Um, he rips off the guy's head and then it freezes with him holding the head up. And then it says in big yellow font, only through the elimination of violence will we finally be able to achieve world peace, Gandhi. Um, and they hold that for like five seconds. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, yeah, this is, this is a motion picture. I don't, uh, were you amused while watching uh, The Velocipaster? Frankly, no. I was pretty bored through mm-hmm. most of it. Um, I'd mm-hmm. say about the middle part, I started fiddling with my phone. Oh, for sure. Um, because it just it's it was boring, and yeah. I hate to say that, but it was like the laughs were not consistent through the whole movie, um, and the action was not really action. Yeah. So it just didn't hold me. No. No, and I'll tell you, for, uh, not for nothing, this this movie is an hour and ten minutes, and it took me, like, two and a half hours to watch it, because I kept just, like, wandering off to do other stuff. Um, it's, like, an hour and ten minutes, but feels so much longer when you're watching it. Oh, it does. It feels so long. Yeah. So, yeah. where do you want to put it on our list? All right. So, uh, scrolling down the list... Um, uh, okay, let me, uh, Quincy, okay, uh, Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. Now, Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter is very similar to Velocipaster in that it's got this, the very similar, like, indie ethos. The punk rock thing. That. Um, and I don't <laughs> want to say that it's nostalgia that makes me like Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. No, it it is a better movie. It has a bespoke song on the soundtrack it has callbacks to real genre films i.e santo being in it oh yeah yeah you've got um, a fucking luchador in the mix and it's got punks in it it's got actual director with a mohawk being in his own movie so i'd say it's much better uh, assembled than Velocipaster. Yeah, a director with a mohawk who has a special uh, motorcycle helmet f- to keep his mohawk uh, safe while on the motorcycle. Um, I feel like you you, you would want to do a double feature of Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter and um, Velocipaster. You know what it is? I think I know the exact uh, impetus behind movies like this, which is um, everybody saw the, uh, the ninja priest scene from Dead Alive where he yells, I kick ass for the Lord. And went, what if we did just that, but for a whole movie? Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter also, like, it, it kind of just has more going on. And I think part of it for me is nostalgia because, like, you know, I'm, I am I have a, a long fondness for that movie. But I, I do think it is genuinely better. Um, scrolling down the list a little bit, um, Quincy, at number 346, uh, we have Body Melt. Uh, which is another um, sort of, indie, uh, I don't know. It's it's not quite as punk rock, is it? 
No, it's very uh, much a independent film, but it's in the dead alive vein. Mm-hmm. It's it's got far better special effects than this. Oh yeah, I mean it's called Body Melt. If your movie is called Body Melt and you're not bringing the thunder, you you need to get it together. I do appreciate that the Velocipaster did not try. They they went with the okay, we just won't show it, or we'll do very funny like this is a puppet, or we'll do like the insert video effects in post-production joke like that works but the sheer amount of what's left on the screen in body melt Mm -hmm. makes that a better movie oh 100 percent agree um scrolling down the list a little bit um let's see quincy at number 325 we have black christmas uh from 2006 the uh the eye trauma centric uh baking human flesh cookies uh remake of black christmas I which do I which do we think is a better movie? This uh the Velocipaster or the Black Christmas remake? I would say definitely the Black Christmas remake. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's really the best holiday time you could possibly have. For sure. Now, at number 386, we have a very bananas movie Anaconda starring J-Lo. Oh man, listen, I will ride for Anaconda featuring John Voight uh, getting uh, eaten by a giant snake, being thrown up, giving a little a saucy wink before continuing to be digested uh, every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to scroll. You know what? I'm scrolling down the list um, a lo- lot more. Um, okay, Quincy, at number 443, we have, uh, I think, a mini boss on our list, The Bye Bye Man. The Bye Bye Man, which is a movie that tries to be an actual horror movie and is fantastically bad, uh, versus Velocipaster, which is trying to be the thing that it is and I think mostly succeeds? Yeah, so the question is, do you want sincerity or do you want a soulless Hollywood, like, assembled by committee motion picture? Yeah, and I think I'm going with, like, I mean, I would... I mean, I, I say this like I haven't rewatched The Bye Bye Man like five times. I'm 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 a fucking monster. But I think I can, you know, going by the Roger Ebert, like, what is it trying to do and how well does it pull that off? I feel like I'm going with the the Velocipaster. Oh, um, for sure. Scrolling up a little bit, here's okay. I think I know. I think I know where I'm. I, I've got a pitch for this. Okay. So at number four sixteen, we have uh, Willie's Wonderland, which is um, the Five Nights at Freddy's with the serial numbers filed off. Um, and right below that, at number 417, we have The Loved Ones, which is that Australian movie with the girl who wants to torture people. Yeah. Um, I personally feel that, and, and now, and I know that this is going to get a lot of blowback from, from some of the folks that listen to us, because a lot of people really love that movie, The Loved Ones. Uh, I did not care for it, and I think I would want to put Velocipaster above it, because I feel like with the amount of money, energy, and time they had... I feel like they did more with that than the loved ones did with the time, energy, and money they had. Yeah, I think you could probably spot our taste a little bit, even though this is a completely 100% objective ranking. (laughs) Of of Um, course. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) always. Uh, If it's got torture in it, you and I are probably not big fans of it. Yeah, I mean, except for Audition, which is up, I think, in the top 20. Uh, and uh, Ichi the so Killer, like... we saw it once, and that's all we need. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I feel like uh, here's... I would put uh, the Velocipaster below Willy's Wonderland because, while I think that is a very bad movie that I don't like, um, it looks like a million bucks. It does. 
Like, and what, I mean, you've got Nicolas Cage doing a saucy little dance, you've got, I mean, there's so much to like in that movie, and I do feel like it pulls off what it needs to, and yeah, so I feel, I feel good about that. So coming in at our new number, 417, is The Velocipaster, and this is a free on Tubi, please do not pay money for this. The Faustian Nonsense Network is here to help you produce your best work. We can edit, direct, draft, storyboard, and help your podcast increase its output and connect with the right audience. It doesn't even have to be a podcast. If you have a creative project that you want to monetize and get the most out of, Faustian Nonsense can make it happen. Come join our community and let's build something great together. Um, <laughs> on, online, uh, if you want to, if you if you guys want to go check that out. You know what I especially love about TB is the localized ads. Oh um, yeah, uh, they've been showing ads on my tv for the local like halfway home for like troubled youths <laughs> oh wow wow and there's nothing better than watching the Velocipaster and then being interrupted to hear about like the good work they're doing at youth villages for like <laughs> jesus kids from the wrong side of the track boy the mood whiplash there is something like that's that's a that's a lot <laughs> a lot to deal with so let's talk about our other movie which was also on tubi okay yeah yeah i've got so many goddamn thoughts about about this movie uh the the other movie um that we're, we're doing is the unborn from 2009 which is a michael bay joint this this was um distributed by his platinum dunes uh company which also did the friday the 13th remake and the nightmare on elm street remake and uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Uh, the Unborn is completely nuts. Yeah, and it's also directed by um, Dark City writer David S. Goyer. Yeah, the guy who did Blade. Like, David S. Goyer, like, this movie... Quincy, had you heard of the movie The Unborn before? I've never, ever heard of this. And I was trying to figure out... What happened? Because in 2009, I was watching horror movies, and mm-hmm. I was paying attention to horror coming out in the theater. Did this not get a theatrical release, or was it a very small, rushed release? What do we know about its... Um... That's a great question. Let me, let, me, let me fill you in on something. It opened at the third position, grossing $19 million dollars. And spent eight weeks in release and had a final gross of forty-two million worldwide. The film grossed seventy-six million dollars, so it did pretty good. People actually saw it. Yeah, like there were people going out there and and watching it. Like with a budget of sixteen million and a box office of seventy-six point five million, it more than paid for itself. People were going to see the Unborn, uh, which, by the way, is the um, the first uh, PG thirteen. Uh, release from Platinum Dunes, which is nuts to me because of the amount of shit this movie gets away with. Yeah, it is wild that... Now, maybe one of the reasons why I haven't heard of it is it is almost universally uh, panned by critics. (laughs) Yeah, people hated this movie. It's got a meta score of 30. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's where you want to be, I feel. Uh, It's Now, this movie... uh, the, the, The movie is about... Um, there is a, a young girl who keeps having these hallucinations of a creepy kid with, like, husky blue eyes, and, um, 
there's it's oh, okay Quincy there's a superstition in this that I want to ask is this anything like is this a real thing in the world where you know you don't want a baby to see themselves in a mirror because if you do the, they will they will die I've never ever heard of this before this movie what the fuck are they talking about like, I don't know if a baby sees its reflection platinum dunes has to refer to cocaine I've I've made that decision uh, watching the unborn um, this movie it's kind of Jupiter ascending levels of like all ideas are good ideas where we've got Nazis in the mix like there is a an IMDB credit for somebody in this film who plays m- fucking Joseph Mangala in flashback. We have a grandmother doing her best Terry Gar and young Frankenstein impression <laughs> accent. Oh yeah. Oh it's yeah, it is one hundred percent like Frau Frau Blucher. Like she um okay, so so at the top of the movie, um she's babysitting this kid who just full on smacks her in the face with a mirror. Um, and she uh, starts getting, um, her eyes starts changing color. They never really do anything with her eyes specifically beginning to change color, do they? No, she goes to see the doctor, and he's like, I need to take a CAT scan to make sure you don't have brain damage. And then he's like, you're fine. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> yeah, and she finds out from uh, her dad, uh, who is played by fucking James Remar, I guess is here. Um, also, spoiler, two people are in this movie that I yelled so loud when they, because I, I went into this totally cold, not wanting to find out anything about who's in it. Fucking Gary Oldman and Gary Oldman and fucking Idris Elba. Are, when he showed up, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So loud. Just doing. I did a double take because I'm like, there's no way they could get him in for this movie. These He's too much of an actor. (laughs) Yeah. I also blurted, are you fucking kidding me when Gary Oldman (laughs) popped up? Um, And so uh, Casey, who is the the main character, who, by the way, I think this actor uh, who plays Casey, uh, Odette Yustman, Yustman, um, never heard of her before, don't know anything else she's in. She does pretty good as Casey, I feel. Yeah, she's actually not too bad. It's... um... Really too bad that I think this is basically the end of her career. Same with <laughs> Megan Good. Oh, yeah. Uh, Megan Good as the best friend um, was pretty great, mm-hmm. but isn't really... Well, she was in Monster Hunter. That's true. She's she's really great. Uh, the, the thing is that her friend, um, who uh, Romy, uh, who is the, the main character's best friend, there's a line in this that I had to rewind uh, to make sure that uh, that was it, which is that the old German lady... Uh, freaks out when she sees a photo of the creepy kid and is just like, ah, get the fuck out of my nursing home. And um, Romy says, whatever, she probably just has old timers. <laughs> what? What? That's that's not that's not like a colloquialism with the youths who are you know so familiar with Alzheimer's that they're calling it old timers. The amount of times that Romy and Casey say "dude" to each other. Oh yeah. Um, I will also say this movie has what I would charitably describe as a tone problem. Uh, definitely. <laughs> um, there's this like. The, it kind of couldn't decide on an atmosphere. The thing I will say, the last third of this movie is a fucking firecracker, and I was here for it. The first two-thirds have this, like, uh, sort of cr- slow-creeping gothic vibe. 
oh, it's it's awful. It's horrible pacing because yeah. it's nothing and then it's everything all at once. Yeah, which makes me think of another movie featuring a twin uh, thing, which is Malignant, which is like the first two thirds are basically unwatchable, but that last third you're going to want to catch. Um, I mean, M- Malignant is... This movie wishes it was Malignant, <laughs> which is funny because yeah. Malignant came second. When when there was only one set of footprints, it's where this movie was carrying Malignant in the sand. <laughs> carrying it backwards with a face emerging out the back of its head. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Like, oh, I, I, now I gotta go back and rewatch Malignant. Um, <laughs> there are so many fucking jump scares in this movie, though. Like, yeah. it's... And, and I'm and I'm no jump scare hater myself. I like a good jump scare, but it's it's pretty excessive. There's bugs, there's upside down dog heads, like the dog's head is upside down. There's kids jumping out of mirrors. Oh, it's this movie visually is so much fucking fun. You get a bit with her having a dream. Now there's this creepy little kid that is like, you know, in full effect in this movie just following everybody around and being creepy. Um, and she has a dream where she is pinned to the ceiling uh, over her own bed, and she's watching herself on the bed sleeping, getting her belly ripped open by a little kid. Like, this is PG-13 somehow, because there aren't any titties. Yeah. Uh, she wakes up screaming during her uh, physics lecture, mm-hmm. and the most unbelievable part of the entire movie is the professor says, Casey, are you okay? (laughs) What college classroom in a lecture hall did you ever go to where the professor knew you by name? Yeah, no, they're like, I'm sorry, excuse me, yelling girl. Can you, can you remind me? What are are you, are you supposed to be in this class? Like, yeah, I feel like horror movies love having somebody have a nightmare in class and wake up in the middle of class yelling. Um, Now the, you know, you get a lot of heads twisting around, um, one of the, now, a thing that I really dig about this movie, okay, is that, uh, so it's, uh, there's a lot of stuff in here about Judaism, and there's, like, a, a rabbi Dibbix. played, yeah, a, a rabbi played by fucking Gary Oldman, um, and there's, uh, is it a, a, a Jewish, uh, myth, the Dybbuk? Yeah, the Dybbuk is Jewish mythology, about like a you know a monster, yeah, basically sort of a, just a, a, a malevolent haint who uh, um, possesses people. Sharp-eared listeners will recognize the Dybbuk from uh, episodes of the Rugrats, where Grandpa used it as a name for a monster. Oh, that's right. And so the Dybbuk is just this uh, thing that here's all right. I'm, I'm just going to point this out here. This movie did not need to invoke the Holocaust. <laughs> It did not. It really didn't. It didn't add anything to the movie. It really did not need flashbacks to Joseph Mengele performing experiments on children. And it's just so, it's so much. I I think my default position on Nazis is like, maybe don't in stuff. Um, But a thing I do really, really love is the exorcism uh, that happens at the end of this movie. This is a kind of exorcism I've never seen in a movie before, which is a Jewish exorcism. Yeah, it's actually pretty great. And they get into this really complicated, you're not, Gary Oldman's like, you're not Jewish, so why do you want a Jewish exorcism? And she's like, because it's a Jewish demon. And then Idris Elba is like, well, it really doesn't matter what the demon is. It's more of like what you believe in. And they're Mm -hmm. like, okay, so basically semantics. (laughs) And then they just do it. 
Yeah, that's what that's what it is. Is like if if the exorcism is going to work, you have to buy into whatever it is that is trying to get the demon out. Quincy, you've read my best friend's exorcism, right? Um, no, I actually haven't gotten to read it. Oh, you would love it. There's all right. So I, I won't spoil the ending, but the exorcism at the end of the thing is particularly outstanding. Um, the so we've got Idris Elba doing a very bad American accent. Um, which I think it's, it's, it's like Pittsburgh by way of Texas, his accent. It's, it's something. It, it sure is something. Um, but we get like this huge scene, uh, at, at the end of it where it's like, it's gotta be a crowd of people. It's like 15, like volunteers showing up to do like the way that they do the, the exorcism is like call and response, which is cool. Yeah. And they have like paper, like the. They go through, like, the monster beating them up, and they have, like, the tattered pages, and they're just reading through. Yeah, there's there's one bit in this movie that got a genuine laugh out of me, which is, um, there's uh, the, the creepy kid uh, at the top of the movie, not the one that's been following everybody around, but the one that um, Casey was babysitting at the top of it, who is just such a creepy little shit. Um, and there's a bit where uh, her friend Romy is driving, and she accidentally hits this kid... And, you know, he looks like he goes flying, but then she gets out of the car and he's totally fine. And then she leans out she's like, oh my god, are you okay? And this little kid is like, don't help your friend out because we're going to fucking possess her. So she just says to him, fuck off, you little shit, and gets back in the <laughs> car. Now, for a PG-13 movie, uh, the violence in this, like, you watch Romy get stabbed by a child. Uh, you watch um, Casey stab her boyfriend in the neck with a Star of David necklace. Yeah, which I'm extremely into. Like, there's, um, I don't know, it's also shot in the the very 2009 way of, like, okay, everything needs to be washed out as shit. We don't want any color or saturation of any kind in this movie. Uh, which is, I think, one of the things that I was looking forward to with, like, oh, man, a 2009 Michael Bay joint? Like, this is gonna be, <laughs> this is gonna be washed out. Um, but yeah, so, uh, they eventually get the demon out. I think, doesn't her boyfriend die? Uh, you know, she, so she finds out that through all of this, she's been pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Dybbuk, uh, you know, in a sort of, at the, at the very end of the movie, she's like, well, wait a minute, why did all this stuff start, start happening now? You know, and then you realize that she's pregnant with twins, um, because, you know, she found out that apparently, um, when she was in utero, she had a twin who got the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck and died. Um, this movie keeps trying to make a catchphrase happen, which is, uh, Jumbie wants to be born. <laughs> uh, like they're trying to make it a chilling catchphrase and they never explain why the brother's name was Jumbie, which I love. The, the dad says we didn't give you names then it was before he was born. He didn't count because also they'd never bothered to tell, uh, Casey, that she had an unborn sibling. Yeah. Uh, James Remar looks really um, annoyed about the entire interaction. Yeah, he's he's like, like, we just called him Jumby. So <laughs> so it really could have been like Goober, uh-huh. um, Peanut. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Peanut wants to be born now actually would strike fear <laughs> into my heart as a catchphrase. Um, but yeah, so, uh, the boyfriend gets got and then she realizes, oh no, I'm pregnant with twins, which is basically, you know, Jumbie trying to, you know, is, is Jumbie the Dybbuk or is Dybbuk 
is the Dybbuk using the ghost of Jumbie as a as a surfboard back to the it's, land of the it's living? It's basically a surfboard because it's a generational like curse. Yeah, yeah, and her her grandmother was the one who um wa- was experimented on by Joseph Mengele. You know what? Keep it. Keep it with the Nazi subplot. <laughs> um, it's incredible. Now, I will I will say the effects in this movie rule the school. Yeah, the the digital effects are surprisingly good. Yeah, um, which, you know, you've got heads... Cr- uh, there's a scene in this, which is, uh, she's in a public bathroom, and all of the, you know, these Jerusalem crickets uh, come swarming up out of a toilet, and it's just disgusting. Um, the horror moments of this really, really work for me. They're, the, the crickets are legitimately horrifying yeah they are i had uh i I don't think i had ever seen a jerusalem cricket before until i I was working uh, in uh, my garden uh last week and saw one up close they look like a lovecraftian horror um jerusalem crickets freak my shit out so yeah they're the dirt worst i hate them (laughs) they're very they're like bulbous in a way that's just um but yeah so the unborn is a movie that what was your overall take on the movie The Unborn? Is it a good movie to you or a bad movie? Um, again, it was just kind of middle of the road. Mm-hmm. It was not boring, but it was not entertaining either. <laughs> See, I would, I, I think I disagree slightly. I think it did entertain me when it was on. Um, but I think that the the other problem is that. Again, the first two thirds of this movie is there's so much fucking pontificating about the afterlife and the soul and the nature of the self. And it's just like, I'm sorry, I'm watching a movie with, like, Nazi experiments and a ghost? Like, do we really need all of the fucking navel-gazing? Yeah, I would agree. And then at the end, they try to tie it back together, and it just, they don't sit the landing <laughs> with the navel-gazing. Yeah, they try. So, they try to tie it back together. <laughs> at number 469 on our list is 2017's Leatherface. Ooh, okay. Uh, this movie is better than Leatherface. This movie is infinitely better than Leatherface. Um, that movie is, uh, it wastes a Steven Dorff performance. Uh, speaking of David S. Goyer, which is just uh, unforgivable to me. Now, here's a, a real juicy part of the list. Above Leatherface is Hellraiser Judgment, Ooh. Elm Street 2010, The Woman in Black, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation. <laughs> Oh, that, and Cannibal Holocaust, all in the same little clutch. Ooh, that, you know what, uh, for a, a, a wildly uh, uneven movie that references the Holocaust, I'm putting that above Cannibal Holocaust. Um, <laughs> I, do, I do think it's better than all of those. Um, I also think that it's better than uh, the other uh, Platinum Dunes uh, joint uh, from 2010, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, which is just the goddamn worst. Um, you know what? People online keep trying to redeem that movie or be like, you know, actually, if you go back and watch it, it's it's not as bad as everyone remembers. Fuck that. Yes, it is. It is absolutely that bad. Uh, Quincy, at number 436, we have Mandy uh, with Nicolas Cage, which I th- I was not super high on. Uh, what do you think? I was not super high on it either, but it definitely was such a spectacle that i couldn't look away from it mm-hmm. whereas this movie there's multiple times where i thought i'd rather be playing picross on my phone right now. 
Yeah, yeah. This movie, it's it's such a mishmash of, of like, aesthetics and ideas. Um, it doesn't really work. Uh, I think it's the unevenness of it. I think when this movie did know what it was doing, it was fantastically entertaining to me. What what I what I kind of came away from this thinking is this movie must have gotten like studio interference to death. Oh yeah. Like there have to there are so many stops and starts that you can tell that like this thing was probably rewritten and and stripped for parts and you know over and over again. Um, scrolling a little bit, Quincy at number four fifty four we have Spooky Buddies, <laughs> which is the uh, Airbud sequel where people are sacrificing puppy souls to Satan. Um, um, infinitely better than the unborn. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, however, uh, I write, uh, a couple below Spooky Buddies at number 456, we have The Dentist from 1996. Um, I've seen those movies an embarrassing number of times because of a video rental place near my house when I, when I was a kid that for whatever reason, I really liked the movie The Dentist. Um, but I do think this is better than The Dentist because that movie... You know, it's it's a real uh, Brian Yuzna, like, you know, just him making a 90s movie uh, at a time when everybody else was doing Scream, and he was like, what if evil dentistry? I do think this is better than that movie. Yeah, I think you're you're right. That one is kind of a tough watch. Yeah, um, but uh, right below, uh, or right above that is Jaws 2, which is a fine movie. I would say that Jaws 2 would be on standard DVD in the medium place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's perfectly fine. Like, it does basically what the first one does. Roy Scheider is there, which is nice. But I do think that it's... I, I mean, the thing is that Jaws is, like, one of the best movies of all time. Uh, and Jaws 2 being a slightly less good version of Jaws, I'll, you know, I'll take it. Uh, the Unborn, yeah, I feel like it's... It doesn't know what it wants to do a lot of the time in, in the way that Jaws 2 sort of looked at its watch, looked up and went, all right, Jaws 2, people, let's fucking do this. Yeah, I would agree. But it's much more pleasant to watch than The Dentist, which is rated R for dental torture. <laughs> which I really appreciate. Um, even though the, the, the score on The Dentist does whip ass. So I feel pretty good about that. So, all right, coming in at our new number 456... Uh, out of 546 movies, is The Unborn uh, from 2009. And folks, it is also for free on Tubi. Uh, please don't pay for it. <laughs> oh, oh, please don't pay for The Unborn. Um, it is wildly entertaining when it is entertaining. So, uh, get, get, you know, give it a watch if you, if you want to see an interesting exorcism and a movie that I assume was here to for the purposes of keeping Gary Oldman off the streets after school and giving him something to do <laughs> in 2009. Uh, so there's that. Uh, so yeah, so uh, Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet? Our listeners can find us on social media. We're on Instagram at Rank and Vile, and we're on Twitter at Rank and Vilecast. If you have a movie request, um, it's a little late for holiday gifts, but you can still send that to us to our email, rankandvilecast at gmail.com. We are always open to suggestions. People are constantly uh, grabbing me by the buttonholes and saying, why haven't you done um, dolls? Yeah. 
Yeah, all day and all night. You can't leave the house without somebody rolling up on you and, and demanding to know why you haven't done the movie Dolls. Um, yeah. So if you want us to do that or any other Stuart Gordon movie, shoot us an email. <laughs> yeah, I'm always down to do Stuart Gordon movies. Yeah, guys, uh, you know, hit, hit us up there. Um, check out our Letterboxd. Uh, we are on Spotify. We are on Stitcher. We are not on SoundCloud. I don't know why we're not on SoundCloud. We should get on SoundCloud. Um, just about everywhere you would want to listen to podcasts. Um, and yeah, that's uh, about uh, all I've got. You got anything else? Stay spooky. Later, folks. <laughs>